Yo, welcome back to the Alpha Omega podcast. Today we have with us Etienne Doucet. He's the pastor at Grace Bible Church, and he also happens to be Bobby's boss. Today we talked about youth, roadblocks, and the ministry of presence. What's up guys? Welcome to another podcast. It is the Alpha Omega crew back at it again with the white vans. Um, so today we have another special guest and his name is Etienne Doucette. Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Um, I actually really enjoyed um, the names from the last segment a lot. Um, you guys were talking about all the names that you would potentially name kids. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah the Bible names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was definitely interesting. So. <laughs> Mary Lola Hodgepodge. I think I should go for it. <laughs> I think I like the 66 kids, though. Genesis to Revelations. That was oh, the, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of kids. Hit, so. You get to crazy places when you start talking about that. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, right. man. Yeah, we have fun. <laughs> um, so this week, uh, do you want to introduce the topic, Bobby? Uh, so this week, we're just going to be talking about youth. We figured we have a youth pastor here with us. We're going to kind of... That's what I'm looking Expound? for. Expound upon it and make it just the next generation and pouring into them. Yeah. And uh, why it's important and just fun stories from what comes with working with kids. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, so before we get into it, um, just kind of an icebreaker to get things rolling. What is something either weird or funny that a kid has said to you in, in youth ministries? I think there's a plethora of them, um, but I'll start with the safest. Um, I think, and this is more something that happened more than what was said. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had some kids that were being a little, like distracting during worship, and um, I remember walking by and I kind of like corrected them. And another one of my youth kids who's been coming for a long time like looks at me and he's like, "Hey, were they being disrespectful?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I dealt with it." And they're like, "No, no, no, we'll deal with it." So after, after worship, no joke, after worship, after the message. At the end of the night, I have these three boys walk up to me. The three boys are kind of acting a fool, and they, like, walked up to me, and they're like, I'm just, I'm so sorry, and they apologize, and I was like, what happened? Well, lo and behold, the other youth kids walked up to me and like, hey, you're going to stop being disrespectful, and you're going to go apologize, and the kids got, like, terrified. Like, they thought that they were about to beat them down. Like, they oh shook down these kids. Like, hey, you're not going to be distracted anymore, and you're going to apologize, and they showed up, and they're like, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have did that, and I was like, you know, in those moments where you're like, was that the right thing? But then I was like, pure accountability. How perfect, you know? So, Some leadership 101, <laughs> right? That's actually so funny. It was yeah, funny. Hilarious. It was a good moment, so. <laughs> little Christian that. thugs. Yeah, that's right. I got a little mafia. <laughs> yeah. I, he said, are they being disrespectful to you? I'll take care, I'll take care of it later. <laughs> All right. That's crazy. Don't even worry about it. That's funny, so. Oh, man. Well, I, I work with little kids, so I've, I always hear crazy things, but, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm constantly having to teach kids, you know, like, how to deal with things and, and cope with life and, you know, the whole count to ten, take a breath deal, you yeah. know, that's the phase we're at with them, so, um, there was this one kid, uh, he, um, we were doing questions around the circle and, and everybody said the answer, and he was the last one, and it's like, alright, bro. You know, like he was like, <laughs> you got this okay, one. what's the answer? And you know, the answer was take take a breath and count to ten. 
and and he's just like such a rebel that he had to come up with something he he just kept saying like uh, so I'd be like what happens when you get angry like what are you supposed to do and he'd be like mm, play Call of Duty <laughs> and I'm like okay what if you don't have an Xbox he's like I play it on PlayStation oh like, dude you are killing me right now <laughs> yeah and uh, he yeah that kid he's nuts but yeah they, they're constantly doing that to me like you know I have there's a bunch of good kids there too, but there's always that one rebel and you're always. like, you like kind of see yourself in them a little bit and you're like, I get it now. <laughs> you know I think I mean? the hard part with kids and youth sometimes is like, do I be proud of you and laugh or do I be stern? And like, at this moment you're like, what am I supposed to be when like these kids say these things and you're like, you want to laugh and you're like, I can't laugh. But yeah. especially with children, man. I mean, it was like the other day we were um, we were doing a little conference thing and we were me and Bobby and some others were in charge of childcare and bless y'all's heart for doing that man because that's I, children I don't know what it is but like I love youth kids which is weird but I children it's like man y'all good and I like y'all but I don't like you that much <laughs> and then there's sometimes you talk to these kids and I'm like they needed explanations on everything and that drives me crazy yeah. I'm like sit down and like why I'm like because I told you to. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't want to sit down. I'm like, I didn't ask you if you want to sit down. I asked you to sit down. And it's like, it's a stream of questions yeah. all the time to the point to where there's almost no answer. You know, it's like, who made that? And you're like, I don't know, someone in a factory somewhere. Like, well, who made that? And you're like, yeah, just sit down, kid. Please. Eat a Twinkie. I don't know. Kids, man. Oh, man. You know one kid? I just get roasted by my kids all day long. <laughs> I get a haircut. Why'd you get a haircut? You look bald. <laughs> Why are you wearing a purple shirt? Yeah. You look you look weird. Just middle schoolers they just like to make fun of their leaders. Yeah. It's fair enough. It's you're doing it right then, right? Yeah, I'm emo. I, I'm emo because I have a wallet chain and I wear black. <laughs> are you emo? I'm like, no. I'm actually very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love life. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, we do small groups, and I don't know if I should even say this, but I'm going to because I don't care. Um, and we were going around, and like we were like, "What's the, what's a high for the week? What are you, something you're looking forward to?" And one guy goes, uh, "It was like right before a holiday or something." He goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna go get blacked out." And I go, "You do realize why we're here?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We're in church. We're at church, right? <laughs> this guy. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. I'm going to go have fun." Yeah. <laughs> I said, "Bruh." Meanwhile, Bobby's dealing with high school juniors and seniors, so yeah. apparently they don't hold any punches. Yeah, you're like, well, I was going to get a good night's sleep tonight, but I guess I'll just be praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be waiting by the phone. Please just call me yeah. <laughs> when you don't know how you're getting home. Oh, okay. my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, man. But that's part of I mean, I think that's a big part of it, too, is like, not to kind of dive in or get ahead of the course not or ahead of everything, but man, I think within youth ministry, and I think that's what hopefully Bobby's been able to learn over the time is over the years of doing this is like it really I and how do I say this carefully I don't think that like any type of preaching that I've gone or communicating I've given has dramatically changed any of my students lives um, I preach regularly we preach the word I believe God's word is so important but I come to realize that like that relationship capital that gets bought by spending time with them and mm. being at their games and yeah. doing life with them I mean that's really been like the game changer for me in ministry it was like stop focusing on like this ultra dynamic message and shift to a place of like what if I just decided to be relational and spend mm -hmm. time with students and yes we still open God's word we're still going to study God's word like we're going through the book of First John right now and we're going verse by verse uh, into our youth group and I think it's a lot of cool and that, that has its great place but I also know man like if you think student ministry children's ministry is all about just like oh I need to 
shove the Bible in their down their throat, or I need to teach them to like obey everything. You start to realize that like kids will very quickly like turn turn off to you, and mm-hmm. like I mean, you're never gonna hear that. The, most people would panic and be like, "Dude, you just told your youth leader that you're gonna go get blacked out." Like I almost see it as an opportunity. You know, it's sure. like now you got the opportunity to be like, "Yo, I could follow up," or I could even like dig a little deeper and be like, "Hey." Either they feel really safe with me to know that they can tell me those things because they probably wouldn't tell their parents that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost look at those as wins where most people may say, like, that's a terrifying thought. If your mm-hmm. kids aren't telling you anything, then you should probably be more concerned because they don't trust you enough to share what's going on in their lives. And I think that's a big shift in kind of student ministry that I've been able to experience the last couple of years. It's been really, really kind of fruitful. So I think it's a big win, actually, you know kids are willing to express what they're struggling with and their sins with you then they're willing to like invite you into it mm-hmm. and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but in reality like man you got invited to like keep an eye out almost like hey bobby now if you send him a text and say yo what are you doing at night is everything okay where you at you all right or if you do get a call at one o'clock in the morning on saturday night it's like you almost like you said and I'm, i've been up praying all night for you because i already knew what was coming mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's a pretty cool, kind of cool shift that, that we've got to experience over the last couple of years for sure. So That's a sweet way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about it that way. Because, yeah, that would be, like, on first glance, you're like, oh, man, those kids are terrible. Yeah. But the truth is, like, we all run into those problems sooner or later, especially yeah. if we don't have God. So, yeah, yeah that's that's sweet. Um, and it, it's important, too, like, when you're talking about, like, it's at a certain point you can't just shove it down their throat and right. expect it to work, like, uh, Roger uh, Roger Smith does a Bible study and he talked a lot about compliance and obedience and the yeah. difference between those things like yeah. and with my kids since they are smaller sometimes there there's a dif- yes. there's a different approach right. because they are smaller yeah. sometimes you do have to like make things very obvious for them yeah. and like we do a Bible verse and if they memorize it they get a cookie at the end of the month and right. like um, there are some things that you have to put it like bluntly Right. But but you're totally right in the relationship aspect. Yeah. Like when you when you gain that trust with them, they'll bring their issues to you. Like mm-hmm. like it seems simple, but like um, there's this one kid I have in my in my group who he'll tell me when things happen now. Right. And at first at first he would just kind of look at me and like because he didn't know what my reaction would be. Right. So now it's just building that trust with them and like them understanding that you're for them yeah. is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, and I think especially at a young age, a lot of those kids are going to always push the boundaries because they're always kind of testing where that line's at. And I agree, mm-hmm. like, there's got to be a firm line. And there are things, like I said, where if a kid is expressing they're going to be in danger or they're going to put others in danger or they're about to fight someone or whatever the case is, we obviously want to react with, you know, kind of a swift justice in a way, like, hey, this is what needs to happen. But I also know that, man, I. I don't know. I remember thinking like, oh man, I hope that all my kids are doing exactly what they're supposed to be. I want these youth kids to be like, oh, following the right. But that's not realistic. Um, Just like you're talking about children, man, you never know what their background, their home comes from. So when they're poking and prodding you, um, I think we forget the kids are smarter than than we realize they are. And they start to like really attack where maybe they want to see how far they can push you to Mm -hmm. see, is this person going to keep caring for me or not? And you feel that a lot in youth ministry because when you see a lot of these kids that don't have fathers in the homes or a lot of these yeah. kids who don't have people who are pointing them in the right direction, it almost feels like they always want to see how far they're going to go before it's like, this person's going to leave my life eventually. Mm. Um, and that's where it's like, well, cool, keep pushing because I'll, I'll keep trucking along. And it's by like the love of Christ in me and the grace that God has shown me to be reminded that like, man, though I want to sometimes punch a kid in the head, like remind <laughs> them, you know, that it's like, 
yo, you can push me as far as you want to go, but I'm willing to walk through this with you, and I'm willing to keep pushing back, and I'm willing to keep loving on you well, mm. um, to where it's allowed really cool, unique conversations, but also kind of, kind of know that like, there are certain kids in my life where I'm at the, like the point where I get to also tell them like, no, you're not doing that, or no, mm. that's not smart, or no, that's not wise, or they're asking, yo, how do you feel about this relationship, or how do you feel about these things, and it's like, I knew I went grew up in a youth group where, my youth pastor hated dating. Like, he criminalized it. It was like, mm. dating was like, if you were dating, you might as well have been having sex. Like, that's what it was. Right. And it was like, even in a godly manner, when I was in relationships or something, like, he would go so hard in the pain against, like, that whole belief system that it was like, he, I almost, like, got reluctant to be like, oh, well, you don't want me to date, I'm going to date anyways. Watch me. And, like, right. which started to spiral into more unhealthy relationships. And I think that was a big moment in my life where it was like, I don't want to ever be the youth pastor who's constantly saying what you can't do, what you can't do, what you can't do. Like, I'm going to start pointing kids to the healthy, godly options they have. Like, in our youth group, weirdly enough, they were talking about PDA, like, became a really popular thing recently. And, like, the little things, right? Like, they're sitting each other's lap mm. stuff. And we're just like, well, this is not the atmosphere for that. But we almost want to tell them, like, I don't mind a kid's date. I'm never going to tell kids not to date. I don't mind if they hold hands. I don't mind if they want to sit next to each other. But, like, we're not going to be sitting in each other's laps. We're not going to be doing those things because it's like, this is let's not focus on what we can't do let's focus on what you can do right and when we start to shift that light i think a lot of times we realize it becomes less legalistic and more mm. like here's where the areas of grace are you can be free to express yourself in your relationship if you want to hold hands if you want to sit next to each other and put your arm around each other it's fine but like you're not laying on them they're not laying on you we're not kissing on each other those things are off the limits and i think that is a cool shift too because kids are almost like well now i know what i can do now just being told what I can't do. Yeah. So that's a big shift, I think, too, as well, that's been kind of really fruitful recently. So That's cool, yeah. And, yeah, they respond a lot better to, to positive things, encouragement, and, yeah. Yeah, that's that's big. I've noticed that because I came from a youth group of, like, 12 of us, like, growing up, and we all grew up in the church, and we all the same, like, we knew everything that was going on, and so I ended up helping in that youth group. And it was all kids I had like watched growing up and like coming here and it's like a hundred kids on a, a slow night and like there are not, a lot of them didn't grow up in church. A lot of them don't come from like steady households. It was uh, like culture shock immediately of like, how do I know that I'm actually doing something in these kids' lives that's like impactful without it just being like, oh, I'm a slam Bible at them. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of what you were saying, like, it was cool to see that, like, just being there for them, they don't really have that a lot. So, like, uh, especially for the guys in my, like, small group, a lot of them come from places where they don't have a male figure in their life. So just for someone to be consistent and, like, be there to yeah. ask them how their week was, what's going on, you, like, you need anything, like, it, it meant a lot more to them than if I were to preach at them or, right. like, give them some Bible verses or something. And so... And just kind of what you're talking about, like, I've had to learn that it's a lot more guidelines than it is, or guardrails than, like, yeah. roadblocks. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday about it, and it's just, I feel like the church has, at least, like, in my experience, the church has done a bad job of, like, we're just gonna, we're gonna stop you from doing anything and make right. it, like, criminal, and yeah. just in case something happens, like, completely take the grace out of it, completely take the, like... The room for error out of it we're just gonna nip nip it in the bud from the, the jump that way nothing even has a chance of happening yeah. and it's like it's almost hurting it in the complete opposite of like 
I know a lot of people that I grew up with that couldn't even have relationships or friendships with the opposite sex because they were like preached at for like for so long growing up that like you can't date like it's you're too young like if you're talking to a girl you're probably dating like you can't be in the same room as someone without it being something like you can't drive in a car with someone without it being suspicious like and so it's really like I feel like we've done a disservice to them of like we're stunning their growth of having like healthy friendships with the opposite sex because we're just we're trying to do too much in keeping them from making mistakes right. that we've all like not mm-hmm. that we've all made but like we shouldn't just we shouldn't overdo it into where like we wrap our kids in bubble wrap and don't right, let them right. do anything yeah, because they scrape their knee like yeah that's kind of like part of what purity culture is and mm-hmm. what that does too yeah. it definitely trickles down to the kids yeah yeah so then when you grow up you're just like you're awkward this sheltered <laughs> yeah awkward you don't you know you don't even know how to talk to a girl yeah you know but yeah, it should be encouraged, you know, that we should be able to be friendly and, and express ourselves to anybody, really, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. But and I, I think the world, too, is, is those topics aren't taboo for the world. And I think they become taboo for Christianese, you know what I'm saying? We, we grew up in the church and all these topics of dating and relationships and marriage become so taboo. Even LGBTQ plus things start to become taboo where we're like, if we don't talk about it, it'll go away. And it's like, you know what, like, I'm going to talk about it because if we're going to, like, bridge the gap between like religion and relationship in students lives then we have to stop being about like like you said what the do's and don'ts and let's start being about like what are the areas of grace that we get to operate in do we know that god has not called us a a man and a man to be married absolutely we're aware of that but does that mean that if i have a student who's struggling with same-sex attraction or struggling with with their relationship and their identity so now they're 12 years old and they're deciding that they're you know on the spectrum to any degree of lgbtq um then like then I can also accept and love the student for who they are, preach the gospel to them without affirming their lifestyle, but also know that like I'm not going to close the door, stand on the stage and rail about it and be like, right. hey guys, you know, all you sleeping with your boyfriends and girlfriends, all you blah, 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 blah. And I remember like, here's the craziest part. And like, I'm not trying to get into this rabbit trail, but it's like, I wish as a young man, more people would have stopped saying don't date and more people would have started like teaching me about like, accountability within my own personal sexuality like my own like my own sexual sin right like when I was when I was a a young man in high school middle school like pornography was an issue for me and I think the thing was is nobody was willing to talk about it so I thought that like you were alone I was alone right I thought I was alone and 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 that was so embarrassing for me because I was like I love Jesus I love my relationship with God but I'm struggling with this certain area of sin and nobody talked to me about it everyone just said like don't do it so of course I'm not I'm not raising my hand like, hey, who struggles with sexual sin? I'm like, uh, me. It's me, guys. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I remember like as a, as growing up in youth group that I, I it kind of helped me realize like I don't ever want to be the youth pastor who, who, who kind of hides away from that because it's like if we start to create this facade that we're all perfect and that you're all our students need to learn that all our leaders are perfect and we're all do it all right um, and we start to tell them these things and we start to make them believe that, it's like we constantly regularly like get to confess our own struggles and I try to from the stage hey guys this week we're talking about hope and I've been honest I'll be honest with you, I've you. been really hopeless this week right like I felt I haven't felt the love of Jesus very much this week it's been really hard it's been really tough but like mm. that's a cool reminder to me to know that though I felt the struggle and the pain of like hopelessness I do know that there is hope I'm just not believing it right now mm. and I just have to know that like that comes with people preaching the gospel to me in my life but also 
when it comes to young people, I think, like you said, we we do so much time like telling them don't. We don't even listen to like why they do what they do. And so when we start to invite kids to the table and say, hey, I heard you say, you know, that you struggle with some things. You know, what, what is that? What's going on in your life? What can, what are some of the stressors in your life? Why are you reacting this way instead of thinking like, oh, hey, they're acting out because they're a bad kid. Yeah. And we just accept that they're a bad kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. But I mean, I think it does stem from a relationship of us choosing to go the extra mile to say, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to show up to basketball games. I'm going to show up to chess matches. I've showed up to bowling matches. I've showed up to everything. All right. I've showed up to band concerts, whatever it may be, because if it's important to a student, I want to meet them where they're at to start to build the rapport to say, I care enough about you to say, I don't care if you just show up on Wednesdays. That's not what I want. I want you to know that like, I'm going to support you in all the things of life. Um, and that's really, I think, the key to being effective in ministry is like, if you're not on campus, if you're not at their games, if you're not coaching, if you're not doing all these things, you're like robbing yourself of an easy mission field. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have, like, go coach a sport. You don't have to be a professional at it. Trust me. It's not that hard at most, most levels, right? Go teach how to give a kid band lessons, give a kid singing lessons, whatever, right? Like, and you start to learn really quickly that they start to value that relationship or the quality time spent mm-hmm. over any type of authority you have in their life. And that relationship commands authority now because they say, Dom cares about me. He spends time with me. I know Keegan deals with middle school boys. And I've learned that middle school boys love language is roasting, bro. Like they <laughs> they love being able to like pick at you and you pick back at them. And it's like, I don't know why that creates a bond, but I think that's a cool place to say. If they, tr- if they feel comfortable enough to share with you those kind of things, it kind of goes to this point of being like, you're doing something right. You're inviting feedback. And it may be in a way that's not always pleasant, but at the end of the day, like your your reputation, your value doesn't rise and fall on a middle school boy's opinion. I hope not. Right? But <laughs> so and that's cool. So let me ask you this: like, so when you have those interactions, like over the years, is your small group like a consistent same group, or is it constantly changing for you? If mine's changed over the past two years that I've been doing it, because I've been with seventh graders, so. Each year I get a new group of kids and the other group kind of okay. goes on to the next leaders. But mm. They still are around and they still talk to me, but it's been cool. Like you said, it's roasting is definitely one of the, for yeah. sure one of their love languages because at least I hope it is because yeah, right. <laughs> they enjoy to roast me and I pick back, but you know, I'm kind of the, I'm an adult now, so that's cool. you don't want to roast them too hard. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair you got to like pull, uh, pull your punches a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think it's been cool because like, being at ours, just seeing how going to games and stuff has impacted, but also the opportunities it's brought up, like yeah. the amount of kids' friends that I've met yeah. because I've showed up to a frisbee or football or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, this is my friend, such and such," and the fact that they they want to go out of their, go out of their way to introduce you, like it shows, like, oh, like yeah. I'm actually doing something right, like yeah. that they want people to know that like I'm part of their life, mm-hmm. and like it's been cool because. Like I don't think, I don't think you get that a lot of other places. Like, yeah. if you if you're only like what you said, if you're only focused on Sundays and Wednesdays, like you're missing out on five other days of opportunities yeah. to outreach to other kids. Yeah, and there's kids like that we're meeting that'll never step foot on a Wednesday night. But I mean, like the consistency when you see them in public and they're like, "Hey, are you gonna be there Thursday morning? Are you gonna be blah 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 blah? Are you coming to this?" And like, 
I think that's such a such a powerful moment for us to identify. I mean, especially with kids too. I know it's a little different because you know you're probably not gonna go to every little little league game, obviously. Right. But but I also know that the consistency of you being a part of their lives and being interested in the things that they're interested in. We also want to take advantage of the cool factor when we have it. I mean, we're kind of young men for the most part, and we do have that for a little while. You know what I'm saying? We want to capitalize on the type of thing because one of the cool wins I thought was. Um, and I pick up Jace for church Sunday morning, and um, you know I just asked him how frisbee was. He said he played. He went and played. And I said how was frisbee, and he goes, dude, it was awesome. And he goes, like it was really a lot of fun. He goes, it was definitely more fun because Bobby and Bobby and Nap were there. And I was like, what what else could you ask for? Like yeah. he literally just said the experience was better because my youth leaders were there. Hmm. And it was like, how often is youth kids saying? Oh, that event was better because someone from my youth group was there. One yeah. of my youth leaders. More times they're not. They're like, gosh, I hope they don't show up to the middle school right. dance or the high school dance or don't come to prom. There's a reason why I don't volunteer for prom. There's a reason why I don't volunteer for homecoming because I don't want to be in that box. Um, but I do know that it's like they they really do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we start to really want we understand that like we're building relationships with students to cultivate that to a place of you can't speak the truth and love to a student if you don't love the student. Mm-hmm. And if the student doesn't know that you love them, I think a lot of times we like to communicate in such a way that says don't, 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 which doesn't communicate love, um, because love is not meant to be super restrictive. Love is not supposed to be um, hateful or vengeful or fearful. That's not what love is. Love is supposed to be us like tapping into the gospel and knowing that like Jesus is uniquely made us to be who we are to express ourselves as our own unique expressions. Um, and that's not like a freedom to sin is not what I'm saying. I just mean within like our unique giftedness, what we like to do, where we like to go. Um, and I think when we start to capitalize on that, we start to say um, ministry happens outside of Sundays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Ministry happens on Tuesday nights on the basketball court. Um, it happens, you know, Monday mornings over coffee. Um, and it's not just simply a one-time event. It doesn't create that, that habit in students' lives. So. That's the game changer. Um, if I could tell anyone or challenge anyone, if you want to be effective in reaching the next generation, meet them where they're at. If you're not meeting them where they're at, you're just gonna—they're gonna show up. They'll spend some time. They may stay. They may not stay, as long as their parents make them come. And then after that, right. they, you'll never see them again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's not what we want to see in uh, student ministry at all. So, well, I have a question on based on relationship because that that is kind of one of the key points that we're hitting on um when you see the fruit of a sin in someone's in a kid's life yeah and and you're gaining that relationship how do you how do you kind of figure out what that root is and then using that influence in their life like it's awesome how do you figure that out because i mean it's different with different age groups it's always gonna be different and depending on the kid but like I see like we were talking about kids without dads mm-hmm. act out they just do and mm-hmm. like you know certain kids have different afflictions and yeah. they're different sizes different weights you know like there's just yeah. different things that like tug on their heart and make them different right. um, but like how do you how do you like diagnose mm-hmm. something that's going on in a kid's heart and then how do you like come alongside them in that yeah I think I think that's a really hard question to ask but I think it's a really not trying to be oversimplified, but it really does look like let's let's start at the base, right? Like once a student trusts me enough to express, or I can start to see things. And usually with teenagers, it is a little easier. But most of the time with kids, you can see very quickly, like, hey, this kid clearly doesn't have a father at home. I mean, you mm-hmm. usually guess that you're like, it's yeah. just not that there's anything against moms or single mom households. That's not. I've seen a lot of amazing kids raised from single single mom households. 
Um, but I definitely think you could see when there's a lack of structure in kids' life. And I think that a lot of kids who don't get a lot of attention act out to receive attention. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we talk about that. We kind of know that. But that's kind of a really easy theme to say, like, okay, this kid clearly doesn't get attention at home. So the only way they're going to get it is when they show up and they act out. So let's talk. Uh, about students, right? Um, let me tell you a cool moment we had. Okay, so we had a young lady who was a part of our ministry team, our our youth worship team, um, and she was like killing the game. Was awesome. Was great. Um, and she all of a sudden um, joined in a relationship with another girl, out of the blue. It was like this is who I am now. Um, this is what I identify as. Um, and at first, I was like thrown off guard. I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, where did all this come from? And let me tell you the cool part about it, though. Because of the relationship one of our youth leaders had and I got to have with this young lady, um, we, like, kind of encouraged her through this and just kind of said, hey, can we have can we have some time? Can we, can we sit down and have a conversation? So we sat down and invited her to the table, um, and we started to kind of, like, address some things. Like, first and foremost, we started like this. It was like, hey, how are you doing? All right, cool. She started to express there's some stressors in her life, some things going on in her life. And we started to navigate to the next step, which is like, okay, cool. So, hey, I, I don't know what's happening and I don't know the full truth I'm just saying I just want to repeat what I've heard and I'm interested if like you want to kind of just explain what you're in because I don't know what's happening but I'd love to know more about like what's going on in this area of your life so we started to address that and we had another lady in the room it was me her youth leader uh, one of our youth leaders it was a lady and her and uh, she's like oh yeah I I was in a relationship with this girl but we broke up and I was like okay so it was short-lived okay but what was kind of going through your mind and your heart in that moment she's like well honestly I Someone told me that you should try dating a girl, and I tried it, and I didn't really like it. And I said, so, okay. I'm like, so, it doesn't always work out that way, but I'm like, so what did we learn from this moment? Like, kind of, what was, do you understand, like, and I got to ask her, like, because the relationship was there, like, do you understand, like, God's design for marriage? And mm -hmm. she, he's like, she's like, oh, yeah, I understand that's man and wife. I mean, that's not the way that I didn't really think about it that way. And she even mentioned, like, this license to sin almost as if she was like well god made me so he knows what i was gonna do so it's okay like, we kind of got to push back on that idea. and be like hold on that's <laughs> great that you know that god made you there's grace that's awesome but like it's not a license to sin we have to look back at god's word that's like hey we already be held accountable for our actions and since we are saved by grace there's a byproduct that is works yeah. works is not what save us but because of my love for jesus it's going to be a faith that works um, so we also want to be in line with God's vision of what he has for our life. And it kind of invited her into this very disarming conversation that I was really kind of nervous about um, at first. And it was like the Holy Spirit just interceded and just kind of was like, hey, like, we're all on the same page. We're on the same team here. And like, it started with me instead of saying, hey, you're on a, you're in a relationship with a girl. You're off worship team. You can't serve here anymore, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It was like, let's start asking questions. Let's start to ask why, that what's the root issue um, in 99.9% .9 of the time, it's some sort of attention-seeking or there is some issues down at home. And I think mm -hmm. we've experienced kids who suffer, uh, suffered with self-harm um, in abusive households. And we've had to make tough calls. We've had to call uh, uh, have kids, uh, uh, wellness checks, things like that. Those, those are happening multiple times. And at the end of the day, we always think like, well, the kid trusted me to open up. Do Am I now betraying their trust by reporting this? And we have to report. And at the end of the day, it was like, no, I feel like every kid's reaction and being brutally honest and opening up about hurt and pain is them saying, I need help. Mm. Um, and my job is somebody's to trust the spirit of me to help them navigate how we move through this. I'm not a therapist. I can't solve your problems. But what right. I can do is I can say I'm committed to doing whatever I got to do to help you get out of this. Do we need to meet weekly? Do we need to meet monthly? Um, I've done Bible study with kids. I've done, I have a couple people that I'm 
um, that has covenant eyes, kids that have covenant eyes, and I'm the ally for them. So I get a weekly report of what they're looking at on their phone, and it's like I'm willing to go to those links, and I think we always have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're willing to go to those links with students, they'll always trust you and be open and transparent with you. Um, hopefully, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but sure. I think overall it starts with us being willing to have the tough conversations and have the relationship to say, man, how do we use the Bible as authority for people that don't treat the Bible as a biblical authority in their life? So what point is it for me to open my Bible when a kid says, I'm struggling, and I go, well, God's Word says, cast your anxieties on Him. God's Word says, right, right. don't do that. God says, don't tell lies. God says, if that's not an authority in their life, what fruit is that going to produce in their life? Nothing. They're going to say, be like if someone opened the Quran for us and said, hey, the Quran of this part says, don't do that. I'm like, yeah. that means nothing to me. It's a book or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so for our idea is we want to show people the love of Jesus. We want to show people, and that's why I want to go through 1 John 4, is it's a, a repetition of how God says, hey, my people have never seen me, but they're going to see me by the way you love people. And it's not just about a love that says, do what you want to. It's a love that says, I love you enough to sit in your mess with you and say, I'm willing to walk through this with you. Um, and guess what? You can mess up a thousand times and I'm never giving up on you. You can keep pushing back, keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, but guess what? At the end of the day, I'm always going to be here. And we repeat that to our students regularly. It's like the people in this room, we don't get paid enough to be here. Most of the people aren't paid to be here. They're volunteers, right? Yeah. But I do know that we are willing to walk the walk and go as far as we need to to help reach you in your mess. And I tell you, I hope I'm the one you call at 2 o'clock in the morning when you don't know who to contact. Yeah. I hope that I'm the one you call when you're afraid or when you need somewhere to go. Um, and I think those are the things that when we open those doors for students, we create the safe environments for them to be able to express themselves and then speak truth. The truth is always followed in love. If there's no love, we can't speak truth in people's life without love. And it's yeah. just legalism. So how do you, in in the environment of youth and having to pour into these kids who sometimes don't even want it, Right. How like what does your prayer life and your walk with God look yeah. like in order that you're full enough in order yeah. to actually pour out on them because yeah. I, I mean I know for me like with the little kids sometimes it's like I have to really be intentional the day right. before that ministry because yeah. I don't ever want to be there and be like oh it's another you know because then I'm not doing them any good or me any good right and so how, what does that look like for you to like get yourself ready for you know yeah. being in a loving actually like actually in a loving state yeah and that's a good question. I think that's something I struggle with most in my ministry um, has been able to like, I struggle with being still and quiet before God um, because I'm always going, 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 and mm-hmm. I want to go, go, go. Um, and usually that results in me eventually having some sort of moment or like I like have to like break down or like just sit there and pray because I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, it's creating the rhythms of like just accountability of people in my life who are like, praying alongside with me or walking through this with me. Um, it's helpful to have a team that is like constantly like kind of putting the, making the main thing the main thing. Um, usually we walk away from youth and this is funny because we had two nights in a row that were polar opposites. We had a Wednesday night that was completely draining. I mean, it was like anything you can imagine went wrong that night went wrong mm. and it was crazy. It was a mess. Mm. And the next Wednesday night, we had one of the best Wednesday nights I've ever had. I mean, it was almost like these aren't the same kids. What happened? And I think it's a reminder to us that like, if my prayer life, if my time in the Word, if my personal growth and develop is not at the forefront of everything I do, 
um, then not only is my ministry going to struggle, but my marriage struggles, my ministry struggles, uh, my mental health struggles, my spiritual health struggles, and all of these things. So it's kind of like, though that's not a natural rhythm for me, um, I've started to try to create like, hey God, I want to make sure that I, even if it's a few moments in the morning, if it's a few moments in the evening, that I'm carving out time to just be still and listen. Because uh, I talk to God a lot, and I talk at God a lot, um, mm-hmm. but I don't spend a lot of time being still before Him. And I think that's something that is just God's kind of refining in my own walk. Um, but man, I'm jealous of people who can stop and carve out an hour of their time to pray or who can be still that long because I envy that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's a, just a struggle for me. Um, usually it comes to like God gets what I what I have left. Um, or if I'm really frustrated or stressed, then I turn to God. Not a lot of preventative, a lot more reactive. Mm-hmm. And it's like if my prayer life was more preventative, I probably wouldn't have to walk through so much tension all the time. Um, but that's a good question. But I really don't do that extremely well, honestly. Um, I do pray. Obviously, I do read God's Word. I'm always prepping. Um, but I, as for personal develop, reading personal devotion time with God, that's something that's I'll do well for three, four, five, six weeks, and then I'll take a week off, and I'll give him yeah. nine. Then I'll do it six weeks again. Yeah. And that's why Abide's kind of nice. Abide forces me to do it for 21 days, and I get into a good rhythm, and then Abide's over, and I'm like, oh, well, I can, I'll just sleep in. Yeah. And I'll just go up when I show up. And it, it creates like this kind of dance that me and God have where it's like, um, I try to spend time with God in my car rides because I don't really listen to music much when I'm driving. And But, man, that's a struggle for me, honestly. I don't, I do not, I'm not score high in the, the prayer category. I don't pray as much as I should. Um. But I definitely think that it is something that, that I'm blessed that I have a wife who prays. I'm blessed that I have a team around me that prays a yeah. lot. And I think yeah. there's more people praying for me than I realize. And I think that whoever's praying for me, keep praying, it's working. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's definitely not a strong point in my life, honestly. Just full transparency. So. Uh, you kind of mentioned um, we had that week that was super draining. And I was like, I need to switch something up because I can't, I can't keep having those weeks. And... Um, like you said, it, it got to the point where it was like affecting class, it was affecting like relationships. I was just drained. And so I just atten- intentionally made time like the next Thursday and was like, all right, or Tuesday, the next Tuesday before youth. And I was like, um, I, they're my roommates, so they probably noticed, but I started coming in late because I would just sit out on the dock and pray for cool. 30 minutes to an hour because I was like, I need to do this because awesome. I cannot get to that point <laughs> again because it was, yeah. that was, that was a rough week. And, yeah. but it was cool to see like almost like an immediate answer to prayer and that the next week, I feel like we didn't really do anything differently. Yeah. It was just, I feel like a lot of us, we, like we put in our group chat to be intentional about like, yeah. take time to rest, pray yeah. to God, like, mm-hmm. so we can figure something out. I don't think we really did anything different. It just... It was slow down like, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, slow down and made sure we took the time to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think we could do a whole another podcast just on the topic of rest, because you know, like we, I think when people when you say that, everyone's just like, "Well, I sat down and watched a movie, dude." Like, yeah, I'm chilling. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. What do you mean? But it is like a heart. It's it's a heart thing and realigning and, I yeah, I find if I don't do that, then, and I've been I'm grateful that I've been in the place with the kids because sometimes I you know I do my preparation and I show up to the kids ministry and it it is tough so I'm like I know I you know and I have a 30 minute bike ride out there so I've got plenty of time um and usually I'm at at work and everything I'm like 
making sure that my heart's ready to be in a place to actually, you know, show them love. But mm-hmm. some days are really tough. And, mm-hmm. so, and and I think at the end of the day, we all have to realize, like, no matter how much we do, some days just will be tough right. with them. And it's it's being consistent and, and just committing to the to your ministry to the people in your ministry to god like you know because it's it's all just being faithful in those moments and uh yeah i'll be honest like i i there was one week um and i I, this is my first ministry ever so i felt god kind of teaching me in in all sorts of ways with ministry and i you know i felt pulled towards this prison ministry that i started to do and at the end of the day you know, I decided I need to be consistent for these kids right now and be in this season. And um, but that week I was dealing with all that. Yeah. Um, that Wednesday I had a couple kids spit on me and hit like I was I was getting full on bullied like grown man <laughs> getting bullied by like eight year olds. That's like, right. Yeah. So and that was a tough week, man. I, and I came ready, but it was just hard. And yeah. you know, so it it is super important to find that rest and. That's why I asked the question because yeah, it's tough, especially with youth. Like, yeah, I I came to to GBC youth one week and mm-hmm. I was like, boy, oh boy, I do you. not know how you it's guys so much fun. Because like at the end of the day, yeah. like I look around and I'm like, these kids need Jesus. Yeah, like, and my heart ached for them that night. Right, but I also had to look at myself in the mirror and say, is this my ministry? Right. You know, so that that's a hard thing too to look at kids and 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 understand that we can't reach all of them right you know like we're, we're all commissioned to be in yeah. this place and faithful with those kids at that moment so yeah it's a big it's a big task to yeah. to train up you know younger people around you yeah it's it's i think it's a cool thing too is and you talk about ministry fits and that's where i feel about our youth group is a lot of people and it's true it is i'm i will be the first to say our kids are wildly unchurched um, our kids, most of them, parents don't go to church. Most of them were their first experience mm-hmm. at church. Um, and they do definitely grow and learn. And that's why worship can be hard sometimes because it's awkward yeah. for them. They don't know yeah. what worship is and we're constantly trying to teach them. Uh, no one's asking them how they feel and what like going on in life. So small groups can be awkward and weird sometimes. And um, no one's opening the word with them. So when we open the word with them, it's something more again. That could be awkward and weird because they're not used to hearing someone <laughs> talk about God's word. And so when I think about these things, it's kind of it's kind of those things where I, I look at the flip side, just like you do, and I go, man, I like kids. I love kids. Genuinely, I do. I can't wait to have kids. I love kids, but also know like children's ministry is like something I feel like I could do, but I'm like I'm not super extremely passionate about it because a lot of people are like, you do youth ministry, how do you do it? And I'm like, yeah. I'll be real. Like at this point, like, teenagers are hard. They're not hard. Like I feel like we just kind of it's kind of like I said when you're in your sweet spot where God's kind of called you to do. I'm like, dude. Adults complain more about stupid stuff than teenagers do. Teenagers are kind of like too honest sometimes, right? They'll tell you how they really feel about your haircut and your shirt. And you're like, that's annoying. But like at the end of the day, there's no guessing. You know what I'm saying? Or they'll tell you that they're going to get drunk. Or they'll tell you about their relationship. And you're like, okay, I don't know what to do with this information. But okay. And I think as we, Mm. we continue to navigate these things, it's a reminder to us that like you're right, God has uniquely called us to different places. And I look at it and say, I couldn't imagine... And this is no slight or no diss to anyone ever. Anyone, um, I grew up in the youth group I grew up in, but I don't. I couldn't imagine youth pastor in the youth group I grew up in. And I go, I, I would drive. It would drive me nuts. Like the same, twenty five kids and the same, all the same attitude and all the same. I, I just, I'm like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Two, 
too churchy, no, everyone's so good that they don't talk about that there's the wrong stuff. Yeah. And nobody, that's what I'm saying. Like, we wouldn't dare talk about that I struggled with that because it was like, if I brought it up, I was going to be a really sore thumb. But when you're in a room full of kids that are like, yeah, I'm vaping in the bathroom and I'm doing it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, all these things, you're just like, well, at least we're all honest here, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of those things where that, that was a blessing, culture man. that is... It's kind of developed, and and some people would say that's a great. Some people would say it's terrible. I don't know, but to me, it's like God has been able to really work in and through this group, and I think we've been a part of something that's really cool. Um, and I feel like God is—I've always felt like God has called me since I worked with FCA, since I worked in uh, youth ministry before. Here was like I feel like God's always called me to reach kids that are just not church kids, the kids that don't have parents, own kids that, especially specifically athletes, things like this. Where I'm like, I feel called to love the kids that everyone else would say. We don't want those kids. Mm. I'm like, and I say this all the time, like, give us those kids. And I'm not saying that because we're any better. We're not. Um, because I do know one of the tensions we really suffer in our youth group is I, I struggle with a lot of times our deeper students get get kind of shafted because it's almost like we spend so much time preaching, uh, trying to keep things so simple and try to... Like evangelists. Yes, that almost like we don't, we don't forsake discipleship, but... These kids aren't getting as challenged as much as they should mm. be, so we have to try to find other avenues to do mm. that. And it's kind of like sad because I kind of feel bad for those kids who walk on Wednesday night who are looking for that and some deep we, connection. And we kind of miss yeah. that because we're too busy—not too busy, but we're busy trying to like make everything gospel-centered, relationship-centered. Um, and so, where each church I think has different roles, I think our youth group is a place where kids can come, and I feel like it's a safe place for them to like experience the gospel. Um, but I also think that we're we, we often have turnaround because kids come and they hopefully experience Jesus and, and then we send them on their way. But yeah, I think that's a big tension for us too is we don't always know how to disciple these kids who show up and they've grown up in church in our life. They know the Bible, Bible backwards and forwards. And um, it's interesting, but it's a good song to dance. But I also think that like we want to stay in our lane. We know what we're good at. And you know we have a bunch of great, amazing youth groups around here. Seriously, I'm a big fan um, of... of Adam Smale in, in, uh, at BFC, and I'm a big fan of you know Lonnie and BFC and these or and uh, First Baptist and uh, places like this. And Richard Jensen used to be in AP Lakes. He just moved, but if you look at our youth groups, they're all uniquely different. Um, but I also think that that's so cool to be able to say you can find a youth group that's gonna fit for you because they're all so different. Right. They're not the same. We're not two churches across the street from each other doing the same thing. We're just too yeah. hard headed to do it together. Right. <laughs> um, and so not I think that's, the a, that's a big thing. Like yeah. if this is not the church for you. Here's a church. You live over there by BFC, yeah. go to BFC. You live by First Baptist, go to First Baptist. Yeah. Don't drive all the way over here. Um, don't do all these things. Kind of like just follow suit with what God has called to you. So. Yeah, and that's encouraging too yeah. for for us as being people in ministry. Like, yeah. it's not a competition. Yeah. And Devin likes to drill that in in class a lot because there is there is that temptation to make it a competition and yeah. oh we're gonna save this many kids yeah. and you guys are you know like. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, if, if the kids are in any one of the groups, like, they're hearing some sort of gospel message, Absolutely. they're hearing about Jesus, they're, mm-hmm. there's people, there's adults around that care about them, you know, and because yeah. we all do have good intentions, too, and not everybody goes about things the same way, but um, they're, they're on a good track if they end up in a church group. Right. Like, Especially in Highlands County, we're blessed. We yeah. really are. We're blessed with, with a lot of... Bible preaching, um, and definitely like youth pastors who are very involved with mm-hmm. their communities. Um, 
I mean, Adam uh, Adam Strzok coaches uh, flag football. We coach flag football. He's out there coaching kids up, loving on kids well. And most of those kids go to his youth group. Most of my kids go to my youth group. And it's, like, just another avenue and tool we get to, mm. like, have our kids together and to be able to, like, love on them well yeah. um, and have fun but also help them to get better. But it's just, like, man, it's cool to get to go help coach at the middle school or JV or things like this to get to, you know, say Keegan mentioned this earlier. Like, I met Keegan when he was a sophomore in, in high school, you know. And it was, like getting to help out there a little bit and be a part of that was like those are the moments where it's like though they don't always feel the most fruitful um honestly like keegan remember that interaction and though i remember keegan obviously but like it wouldn't pop up in my head first thing when i think of keegan but keegan remembers that interaction i think it's a cool moment where it's like not that i had some great profound impact in his life but the fact that i was present that's at least recognized which means even though in the moment i didn't know keegan really well when he was a sophomore much at all we maybe had a couple conversations when we were doing workouts or something but i mean the the moment of being present the ministry of being present mattered and i think that's a, what we want to be if you're in youth ministry the ministry of being present is so crucial so yeah i can just speak from my own experience right there so like i remember i was a sophomore in high school i was on the jv team and I, I had seen Etienne coming around. I knew he was from the church, and at that point in time, I had no relationship with Jesus at all. I didn't know him at all. I didn't care to know him at all. Mm-hmm. And so then, fast forward probably two or three years later, I had just gotten saved, just came to know Jesus. I come out to Frisbee for the first time, and Etienne is one of the only people who I knew was there. And I was like, oh, I can be comfortable now because I know this guy who used mm-hmm. to come out and was around my JV football team. That's awesome. So it's, it's like you said, it's... These impacts that you don't know mean anything at the time, years down the road they could mean right. something. Yeah, and, and that just no yeah that just speaks to being faithful in the moment. Yeah, it it does have an effect, and like yeah, I think I think we can convince ourselves that like maybe my influence, like say you don't have that relationship with the kid yet, maybe my influence isn't that great. Yeah. But your your faithfulness as a grown man yep. in that group. It, it does make an impact and even if they're like oh well that's just the guy who bosses us around or and you know like at the end of the day they will grow up and and they will remember there were people that were encouraging me there were people that cared about me yeah and you you know the cool part too is you're i'm at the phase in my life where i've been doing this kind of long enough to where like youth kids you know i just watched two of my youth kids get married um, wow, and they crazy. got married young but like two of my youth kids get married and you're like you're starting to see like the fruit of that where like I said kids that even kids like where I'm like you didn't even care in youth group you didn't listen you were disrespectful I yell at you 101 times <laughs> who now like I run into the gas station I run into one of them at the gas station and he like he wanted to just tell me about his life he's like dude uh, I'm married now I got my kid my baby girl I'm working this we're about to buy our first house and I'm just like having this conversation in the middle of whoa, whoa. my wife's like can we grab food and go yeah. and leave please uh, no she's great she's awesome but I think that's a big thing too is like getting to like interact um, and like see the fruit later that I I really genuinely almost want to say like I never would assume that I had an impact on his life because of the way that our interactions were for him to see and go right. hey like I, or when they see me like oh, I need to get back involved with church it's not like I'm I'm some uh, like judgmental person who's like you better get back to church it's like but when they see my presence and remember the impact, it's like, yeah, I miss that. You know, I miss being a part of that. I miss experiencing that. And, like, mm-hmm. you may never know the impact you have on these kids, but, gosh, like, 
I remember in children's ministry, I had about children's pa uh, children's um, not pastor, children's director, Miss um, Tara, who was like such an impactful part of my life. Her and her husband, Justin, were like I was in like fifth grade, and I didn't even know Jesus yet. And like the impact they had on my life, I remember like when I had I had surgery on my foot. I remember they came to my house and brought like McDonald's and brought like a ice cream for me, and I was like ecstatic. Um, mm -hmm. And my family just um, at the time was a little poor. We were poor and just didn't have a lot of those luxuries all the time. And so when they should have brought that to me, I remember that to this day. And it's like, I have them on Facebook and like, they'll we'll periodically reach out. But like, I still get to like message them every once in a while, like, thank you. Like you were a part of planting a seed in my life that didn't get to be watered until, you know, the summer of my eighth grade year when I gave my life to Christ. But I still to this day, 27 years old, remember that interaction when I was in fifth grade. And mm -hmm. I was like, because they took a moment to be present and to care. I don't remember a single lesson they taught. I don't remember a yeah. single game we played. I remember that they showed up and they hung out with me and they loved on me and mm. they brought me ice cream. And it was like, that's wow. awesome. Yeah, so that's nuts. Makes a difference. And I think that's a majority of people that <clears throat> grew up in church. That's going to be their story. It's not going to yeah. be the Bible stories. It's not going to be that. It's going to be, I remember so-and-so who did this for me that one time. Like, I know for me, I have, I could list off a, a number right. of people growing up in church that when things went down, like I remember they showed up and like were were there for me and mm -hmm. like showed that they cared and it wasn't just oh you're one of the students that uh, I I see on a Sunday it was yeah. like not your family like yeah. that's awesome and so mm -hmm. it's it's one of the biggest things I've tried to realize stepping into like youth ministry and stuff like that is don't it like yes be be intentional about being prepared when you have to teach or right. stuff like that. But that's at the end of the day, that's not what they're gonna remember. What, yeah. They're gonna remember you being intentional and how you loved on them and how you yeah. cared for them and when you showed up. Um, I have one more question. Just like involving taboos yeah. around topics. Yeah. So, um, so there's certain things that like are kind of weird to talk about in church. Yeah. And so what the the kids at at GBC Youth, they're like high school, right? Or are they junior? Middle school, high school. They're both. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So, like, at what point do you think it's healthy to teach these topics? Yeah. Taboo topics to sure. kids that are that age? Sure. Or, or is there another age? Like, should we be leaving that to the parents? Like, you know, because, yeah. like, I think about that a lot, you know. There are certain things that are tackled in Scripture that, like... Right. Absolutely. You can't just skip over it if right. you're telling a kid to, to read their Bible and they get to it. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "What's this mean?" You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. what do you do with taboo topics? And and because um, I I mean, just listening to you talk, like yeah. the kids are open to yes. saying taboo things. Yes. To you. Yeah. And so that's interesting to me. Um, and like, how do you? How do you take responsibility for those? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, that's a really good question. This is the first thing I'll say, and this is just a side note if a parent is ever listening to this. Um, if you ever want to know what age you should start talking about sex and LGBTQ and all these kind of things, like, you now, like, if your kid's eight years old and they have a question, don't be like, oh, no, I don't. Don't because, dodge it, yeah. Because the world is so sexualized right now that it's, like, yeah. on every street corner. Like, yeah. if even, I, I don't watch a lot of kids' shows now, obviously, I don't have kids yet, but um, 
I've even noticed that some one of my friends who's a parent was just talking about like monitoring some of those shows their kids watch. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, every episode on Disney now has every show has a, a gay guy or a lesbian couple or whatever, or every cartoon or all these things. So if you feel like the thing is the reason why it's taboo in the church is because we have not taken the time to equip ourselves on how to have the conversation. So here's what I try to do. We open God's Word, and if we're reading about things in God's Word that say uh, prime example, we talk about um, David and Bathsheba. Um, we are not going to go, oh, yeah, and they started to blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to talk about, like, hey, this is where sexual sin enters the scene. First and foremost, Dave commits lust here. He sees a woman bathing on a roof and, like, probably should have not should have looked away. But there's so much more to that story where he's not in the right place at the right sure, time. Sure, yeah, or wherever yeah. you want. All kinds of things you can paint it. Um, but it's also, like, we don't, we don't hammer on um, topical sin, meaning, I'm, no, I'm not going to sit up and dedicate a Wednesday night to why homosexuality is a sin. What right. I am going to do, though, is when we talk about Genesis, when we talk about the design for marriage, we're going to talk about the original design for marriage. It's a man and a woman. for uh, It's a man and a woman married together for all time. That's the way God designed it. He designed it for her to be married for the till death do us part. Um, and so when I talk about these kind of things with students, I think that it's like, yes, we have to remember we have sixth graders in the room and 12th graders in the room. So a lot of times we have to imply some things. Um, but realistically, like, no, we're not going to hold punches because if a parent really has a problem with the fact, and again, I'm not, we're not, they're giving sex ed. I'm not saying right, this is right. how you have sex. No, no, no. Um, yeah. but we are going to mention that like anything, yeah, like sex is more than just like our, our like intimacy is a word we like to use a lot. Like intimacy is like so much deeper than like just sex and, and the act of sex Absolutely, right yeah. and so we start to talk about like how again it goes back to that idea of like god's original design what is when we focus on what we can't do not what we can do okay we struggle with sexual sin in our lives like pornography we mentioned those kind of things right like hey talk to someone about that because we can hold you accountable for that um and i also can't stand that it's become just a guy issue because um, I had a, they had a women's conference about two years ago um, that a friend of mine went to, um, and it was talking about like some purity things in that moment. And they did a poll of like 200 women in the room. They did like a, a unanimous poll or um, anonymous poll. And they asked how many of them have struggled with sexual sin, like pornography or something within the last month, week, day kind of thing, or t years, month, day or whatever. Oh, I see. And um, basically asked them like one to two times, three to four times, never. Um, and you'd be shocked that 60% of the women in the room had admitted to to partaking of or seeing some sort of pornography within the last month. Wow. And you go, well, that's a weird thing. Well, no, the reason why is because we made it just a guy issue, so we don't talk to girls about it because we assume that our, our young ladies can look at their phones and do whatever they want, but like not overly sexualize things or even mm -hmm. like start to wonder and be curious because, not to get too weird, but like, Imagine you're a young lady and, and some guy you're dating mentions some sort of sexual act. Right. Where do you think you're going to go to learn? Right. You're not going to go talk to your parents. Yeah. But what you will do is you'll look on your phone. And I think that's something where it's like, though those things just feel uncomfortable to talk about, it's like, no, we're not going to go into detail ever from the stage. Uh, we want all of these stage to be as open and generic as possible when it comes to those kind of things and then invite kids into relationships or uh, conversations with their small group leader Yeah. Um, and, or where we can invite them into a more um, intimate conversation uh, because that's something that we can't fix from the stage. We can't fix those kind of brokenness because we do have broken sexualities, right? When when the world, uh, when we all fell into sin, everything about us become broken. And until we know Jesus, until we have this restoration, until we become a new creation, then in reality, some things don't always go back to normal. 
Um, I have people in my life who um, struggle or people who've walked away from certain types of lifestyles and still have that struggle, sure. but they just don't walk in it. I don't, God has removed, um, how do I say this? I've removed the, a lot of the hurdles and roadblocks and the things in my way. I've placed a lot of guardrails in my life to protect me in my own like walk, right? Um, so what do I want to start to do? I want to start to give students like tools and ways that they can start to realize that like, look, hey, when are you struggling? Well, at night time, just the conversation I have every once in a while, right? Every couple months, it's like a kid will say, struggling with pornography, great. Okay, let's talk about it. Well, when when is the time that you seem like it's happening most? Oh, well, late at night, I'm laying in bed. Okay, cool. Well, what if we removed your phone from your room? What if we plugged your phone in on the living room? And, well, that's my alarm clock. Well, hey, I'll buy you an alarm clock. Yeah. Like, I can go get you. I can go down to the Goodwill and buy you one for two bucks. I will do that. I'm trusting. Yeah, sure. Oh, well, th that makes sense or whatever. Or well, what if we started to invite people into this conversation for accountability? We don't have to. I'm not saying go talk to your dad and mom about it. That may feel too uncomfortable. What if we did invite them into the conversation? And so we start to steer and navigate the hard issues and the pressing issues that they're going to. And we don't treat it as, well, just don't do it. Just don't look at pornography. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, thanks. They told me that. Right. You know what I'm saying? I still struggled for the next three, four years of my life in high school thinking like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I knew it was wrong. Like, it was like, I even afterwards, I'm like, ah. Or even thinking about it. Or even the next day, I'm like, I'm having remorse. Like, the Holy Spirit in me, like, convicting me of, like, what I just committed, right? And I'm like, mm -hmm. dang, this is terrible. But, like, nobody gave me tools. Nobody had conversation. Nobody ever stopped and said, how are you guarding your heart? How are you guarding your relationship of your own, right? Um, how are you guarding your intimacy with Jesus within, like, your, your sexual purity? Because purity was just, don't have sex with a girl. I said, we're not having sex. We're good. It's like, no, like, that's not just it. So when I think about those conversations, I think it has to be talked about from the stage but not railed on. Right, right, right. Um, we can't start to isolate sins because we feel like they're worse than others because we as humans like to categorize sin sure. better that way. Mm -hmm. That way we know who's worse than us who's better than us right? Right, right but in reality we start to address the issue and say like hey we're gonna open up the door for you to come and have a conversation yeah um and that's why i think kids in our youth group are really open because we invite them into we're gonna address self-harm we're gonna address self depression we're gonna address um pornography we're gonna address same-sex relationships we're gonna address all these things in the most loving caring way that we can give them the truth and love and sometimes it's a little trickier but and we're gonna connect guys with guys and girls with girls that's one yeah. thing we're big about we don't yeah. I don't need a late young lady coming up to me telling me her sin struggles. Nope, I'm not. A, I would say, right. I'm not a lady can't help you. Okay, like right. I've never been a lady. I don't yeah. know how I can help steward you, but the guys, I think it is being willing to exhaust every resource to walk through that with them. And so, I think as for timing, it's never too early. In fact, I think more people get it way too late than more people get it way too early. Yeah, um, I agree. With that. I don't think you need to talk to your four year old about it, but I think that right. if your kid is asking questions, talk about it. Yeah, and it, and the reason I ask is like. I know if God wills and someday I have a family, right. I'm more confident in that choice. Yeah. But being in ministry, yeah. sometimes you get a hard question. Yes. And it's like, yeah. what do you do with that? Yeah, and sometimes you're just like, ah, what's, you should probably ask your dad that. Right, you know what I'm yeah, but like, and, yeah. But I do agree that it's like, I'm not afraid to broach the conversation through purely a biblical lens. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always willing to listen. Um, and obviously, Man, I'll tell you what, um, those conversations have led to more opening up about abuse than anything. Hmm. Majority of the time, those conversations have lended to 
a student eventually come to a place of admitting that there's been sexual abuse, physical abuse, or some sort of abuse in their life. And mm -hmm. I think we as a, we always have to report that. We always have to. But, man, we had a cool moment. And I say cool because this, again, it's just we had a weird season where we had about a, a group of students, a group of girls who all on the LGBTQ plus spectrum by their self-diagnosis um, and all struggling with depression and self-harm all at the same time. It's like this ball, this ball of like issues. Um, and we literally almost took turns with each girl um, so our leadership um, taking turns with these girls like loving on them and like letting them open up and then having to report it and like having to have some sort of action happen oh, man. and I'll tell you what majority of those girls even after the fact because you're sitting here as a youth leader like man I don't want to like I don't want anyone to get in trouble for this right, but, like, right. this is this is unsafe so I have to let somebody know um, and it came to a place where it's like every one of those students have come back and they've been able to be like, hey, thank you. And it's mm. like, that doesn't always work out that way, trust me, because some kids will disappear and never come back because they're like, I can't trust you anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think what it is is like, my job is first and foremost to love and protect students. Speak the truth, love and protect students. And so if that danger is at home, then like I want to do everything I can to protect them from that danger um, because I have to trust that if they're coming to me, then I'm, I could be their last line of defense. So I'll never ever, we never ever want to dismiss a kid saying, I've been thinking about killing myself or I think about yeah, hurting myself. Not. It's never something, even if it's one of the most dramatic kids, it's like, we want to take this seriously because I don't want to be the one, and this could be selfish, but I don't want to be the one who says, man, they told me, and I didn't say anything. Well, and there, when when that is revealed to you, there is that burden on you. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think that is for no reason. Yeah. You know, like if... God shows you something, something ends up on your doorstep. Right. But we have to believe that God is sovereign in that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if, if a kid trusts you and, and they feel like bonded to you for some reason, yeah. and you don't even know why, yeah. you have a responsibility to care for them and, right. and show them love in that way. That's good. Yeah. I think one thing that you've kind of, I've heard you uh, kind of hammer on this, like this whole discussion that has really like become kind of like a, what I've been trying to work on is focusing on what we can do versus what we can't do yeah. when when teaching and mm. um, speaking to even like each other like um, I think that's uh, one of the ways that we failed people as a church yeah is only ever focusing on what we can't do and right. so it's made it look like well, Christianity is going to be a boring existence yeah. of not being able to have any fun. Yeah, right. uh, I'm going to have to give up everything I want, all yeah. my rights. Uh, so why would I want to join that? And you got to feel terrible all the time because yeah. you're constantly like the measuring stick is always don't, don't, don't. Never yeah. like where's the freedoms that we have within like the love and grace of Christ to enjoy life. Yeah. And it's like or look forward to the things that God and I know past, I think it's Pastor Randy that says it. I'm sure it is. And I've heard it from other Jesus Christians forever. But like you know, uh, we know God's good and he wants us to like things because, like, he gave us taste buds, right? Like, to enjoy food, to enjoy things. We're meant yeah. to enjoy creation. Like, and God's word, it says, what? All things are made by him, for him. And it's like, he he's sharing that with us. And I think it's reminded us that um, as people that are navigating this thing, and I don't say, again, don't hear that, like, dude, don't think is like, it's a free license to sin. It's never that. It's like, no, there are healthy, godly options for everything. Music, for uh, the way that we video anything there's healthy godly options in the parameters of like the freedoms we have to say that's okay to do yeah you can't you know you can't react that way or like our emotions we can have emotions and feelings 
we can have emotions and feelings. It's what we do with the emotions and feelings that starts to drive whether we choose to sin or we choose to push into God. And so, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's that's cool. Because every time you say that too, I think yeah. about the garden. That's yeah. literally what the devil does. Yeah. He says, "Oh, you can't eat from this one tree." Has yeah. God said you can't eat from this one tree? Yeah. You know, There's millions of trees. Yeah. And you can't have the one. Yeah. yeah. It's it is kind of crazy though how we how our our mind thinks. You know. My, I was out of riding my bike for a while, and that's all I wanted to do when yeah. I couldn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there's so many other things that we have to enjoy here. We live mm-hmm. on a, a beautiful lake, and you know we're surrounded by brothers and sisters who sometimes have too much energy <laughs> for us to deal with. But, you know what I mean? Like there's there's so much to do, and yeah, it it is a good reminder to push kids to realize like we can have fun. Yeah. But we just, well, there is a line. There's always a line. Oh, always. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and if you're not teaching them that early on, then they'll grow up to break the law. And, yeah. you know, we got to save them from, you know, messing up their life. You know, yeah, for sure. it's real. Yeah. Just real quick on that topic, there was a cool, um, I got uh, kind of like, not to to my own horn or anything, but uh, Ed team came to me the, the other week because I was playing music at youth. And we had a yeah. mom come visit so that she could hear her 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 daughter sing on the stage, and apparently afterwards she had came came up to Etienne and was like, "Oh, what what's the name of that those like that playlist or song or whatever that they were playing?" Because like, was that Christian? And it was uh, just a Christian rap album a playlist I had made, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, it's Christian." And she's like, "Oh, that's really cool. Can I get that?" Like, yeah. it's really hard to find like good alternatives for like music that's like actually yeah. good right. and like Enjoyable. I've noticed that and like yeah. so that's one of the things that even just using that little platform is like yes there's music you can listen to that doesn't have to be derogatory and like right. trash right that is actually good music like right. so yeah that's just awesome. cool yeah any final thoughts from anybody so I say thank you guys for letting me be here but also yeah. man like listening to the podcast here in your guys' heart is really cool and I know that I talked a lot today obviously but I also think that like it if we as people could understand that like the next generation really is the future right of everything then like if there's one thing you could do the ministry of presence matters like be present care love mm-hmm. and like though it may just be a middle school dance recital to that kid it's everything and if we can start to make the main thing that they love and enjoy a priority for us um, the relationship opens Jesus invited Zacchaeus to lunch before he spoke into his life and so that tells me that it's about getting to know and loving people in their mess before we ever try to attempt to, to change who they are and I think that's what teenagers is everyone just tries to fix them and change them and then they try to give them then they try to like have a relationship with them I'm like no you've put yourself in the box you're the mean youth pastor mm. and they don't want anything to do and they're never going to tell you because I couldn't tell my youth pastor I was struggling because the expectations were too high and if I let the expectations down then so I'd rather be fake and lie than be truthful honest and I could have been set free way sooner so mm. thank you guys for that I know a lot of you serve Dom especially with children's ministry Bobby get to see you all the time and Keegan over there at BFC I know you guys run a stellar program and um, I'm really excited so thank you guys for having me for sure yeah it's appreciate been awesome we really appreciate it so got a lot out of that but uh yeah thanks for tuning in guys um we'll we'll be having some more guests here probably pretty soon um but yeah until then
We'll catch you on the flippity flop. Deuces. Got a new heart, good luck trying to break me, save me, renew my mind on a daily. I'm hard headed, so I learned things the hard way. I was heartbroken till I ran into Yahweh. Got a new heart, good luck trying to break me, save me, renew my mind on a daily. I'm hard headed, so I learned things the hard way. I was heartbroken till I